0: This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media. Today.
1: Today. Today.
0: Today with Jeff Finds.
1: We are taking the gospel to the world,
0: pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher.
1: One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them.
0: Today, today, today with Jeff Vines. My name's Aaron, and you're listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Today is an exciting day because we're going to finish our renovations of the heart series. This is part two of the last message. Pastor Jeff, throughout this whole series, has hoped that it's challenging you. And if you're anything like me, it's made me think about the state of my heart. Now, as we wrap up this series, in this final episode, he's sharing about the signs we should see if real transformation is happening in our lives by the Holy Spirit. If you missed any episodes in this series so far, don't worry. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines. So, let's conclude it now. Here's Pastor Jeff. I cannot
1: coerce or manipulate anybody to do anything. My job is to give you Jesus in hopes that one day you'll fall in love with him and all these things that I expect from you will naturally flow out of your love for Christ. Let me read it to you again. C.S. Lewis says it this way, I had not noticed that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join them in praising it. Man, isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. Like my friend Byron said, there are many of us in church but not in Christ. You've not yet fallen in love with Jesus. And I don't say that in a way to berate you. I just say pray that Jesus would give you a Jesus revelation so that you could see him for who he really is so that you can fall in love. Because when you fall in love, renovation goes to warp speed. You see Jesus differently. Evangelism is becoming easier and easier. And the idols, number three, the idols of your life are losing their power and appeal. Jesus said in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And a powerful little verse with which most of us are unfamiliar is found in Jeremiah 2.13. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. He's saying that as you're renovated from the inside out, something happens in you. These, th- these idols that used to tug on your heart, they lose their power. You know the, the the kind of clothes you wear to be noticed by everybody. They, they don't. They I mean, you still do them, but it's for a different reason. You just want to you just want to dress nice. But it's not you're not motivated by what other people think of you all the time. You know the, the money that you want to make. You you still want to make money. Nothing wrong. There's no sin in wanting to make money. But it's your motivation. It doesn't tug you and pull on you so much that you'll sacrifice the things of the kingdom to get more money. These are the idols that we have in our lives, they are psychological idols. It's the things that we think will give us ultimate meaning and significance. We say that we can't live without a wife or a husband or somebody to date or sex or a girlfriend or children or an earthly romance. I, these are things that they don't have the tug. You still love them, you still pursue them to a degree, but they don't have the tug they used to have on you. I have a friend in New Zealand who walked away from God after 30 years because she wanted a child and never got one. Now what does that tell you? That tells you that she was using Jesus as a means to her end. As long as Jesus gave her what she wanted, she would follow. That that means that Jesus isn't the love of her life. Because when Jesus is the love of your life, all you want, all you need is Jesus. And you know down deep inside you can live without those other things. So they don't tug on you anymore. And that's okay to still desire to want a child. But it doesn't affect or impact your demeanor like it used to. You can actually not have a child and not be depressed all the time. Sociologically, there are things in our lives we think give us credibility with other people. Significance, position. And it used to tug on us. We've got to be at the top of the corporate ladder. We've got to have this kind of job making this much money. And we've got to have this much stuff. And we've got to live in this community. And we've got to be able to recreate with these kinds of people. But when Christ is formed in you, there's still things you love. They just don't tug you the way they used to tug on you. You don't actually have to have them to be happy. The only thing you have to have to be happy is Jesus and you got him. Amen. Theologically speaking, sometimes you can make theology an idol. You can say, you know what? I've been really good this month. I went to church all four Sundays and I I gave what was left over. And I, you know, and you say, hey, man, I've done it. So God has to accept me. That, that's when... That's when, again, the idol of your life is good works because you don't understand you're saved by faith through grace or saved by grace through faith. And so what happens is you, you, your demeanor is impacted by how good you've been. The reality, folks, is anything in your life where you say, I cannot survive unless I get this, is your real God. And if you're being shaped and formed on the inside, nothing tugs you away from Christ anymore. He is your utmost, highest. He is the thing you want most. And really, when you get to that point, you're like two old people who've been married for years. You just enjoy being in each other's presence. You just enjoy most being in the presence of God. Paul said in Philippians 3, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I'm simply saying, and I've belabored this point long enough, your idols are losing their power over you, and they no longer impact your demeanor. And so if you don't have the money that you think you ought to have, you're, you're not sad. I mean, you're concerned, and that's okay. That's part of our humanity. But your joy is not based on how much money you have. Your joy is not based on what job you have. Your joy is not based on how many vacations you can take. Your joy, I mean, those are all things that are well and good. It's good to get away. Those are good things, but your joy is not. And if all of those things were stripped away, you'd still be joyful. Because you know you have Christ, and if you've got Jesus, you've got everything. That's how you know. Most people uh, don't read in the area uh, that that I spend most of my time reading. Now that that just simply, when you're when you're into apologetics, you are reading types of things that most people just have no interest in. But Blaise Pascal is a favorite author of mine. Now, Blaise Pascal was the father of the computer. Most of what we have today comes out of, originates with the mind of Blaise Pascal. He was also a a strong believer. He lived in a time of existentialism. Existentialism says this, right and wrong is based upon what makes you feel good. So if something makes you feel good, it must be right. So they came to Blaise Pascal in his debates and they said, Blaise, we believe... That you're wasting your time following Jesus because we think you will be happy when you're doing what you want to do." and Blaise Pascal's response was brilliant and shows the mind of a, trans- of, a, of a transformed heart. He said, oh, let me get this straight. You're saying that following Jesus is a waste of time because I will be most happy when I'm doing what I want to do. He said, good, I'm telling you I'm most happy when I'm following Jesus. What a great response. I'm telling you that I am most happy when I'm following Jesus. You know what hedonism is? Hedonism says that whatever feels good determines what is right or wrong, but there's Christian hedonism and it says, I feel best when I'm with Jesus. I'm really truly happy when I'm living with Jesus. At which point the existentialist had nothing to say. Hey, if you ever have a chance to go to Oahu, ever have a chance? Make sure you go to this little place in Kalua called Island Snow. It's shaved ice. Now, I only discovered shaved ice, I don't know, a few years ago. You'd think it wouldn't be that good because they just take a bunch of ice and they pack it in this cup and then they pour flavors. I mean, it's pure sugar, strawberry, lemonade, blueberry, cherry, mango, coconut, whatever you want. You choose and then it all soaks into the ice and then you just eat it piece by piece. I never thought something so cheap could be so good and you just eat it, eat it, eat it and then About three or four years ago, I discovered that you can actually ask them to put a scoop of ice cream in the bottom. Now you think that wouldn't be that that big a deal until you realize that you're eating these flavors. Okay? You're eating. And in the meantime, all that juice is mixing and mingling with the one scoop of vanilla ice cream. So that by the time you get to the bottom... It is divine. It is the best thing. You're thinking, wow, I never knew this existed. It's so cheap and so enjoyable. And from now on, when I go back, I say, why on earth would you have island snow when you can have island snow with ice cream? That's Blaise Pascal's argument. Why on earth would you choose just a world of pleasure and goodness when you can have a world of pleasure and goodness with Jesus? Who makes everything so much better? And if you don't know that yet, it's because you haven't fallen in love with Him yet. Where you've forsaken the idols of your life, and you're still trying to get your joy there. And as long as you're trying to get your joy there, it's going to be an endless fight. And so, if you're being transformed on the inside out, something's happening to you. Next, self-denial four is becoming the posture of your life. In Mark eight thirty-four. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now listen to this very carefully. We're going around third and heading home, but we've got some work to do here. If the pursuit of anything in your life restricts your pursuit of Christ, you are continually giving it up. Okay, let me say it again. We're saying that if you're being renovated from the inside out, you're beginning to see death differently. Evangelism is becoming easier because you're just talking about your treasure. The idols of your life are losing their power because you know they can't deliver. And self-denial is becoming the posture of your life because now your eyes have been opened. And if there's anything in your life, it doesn't even have to be something that's immoral. If there's anything in your life that is restricting your pursuit and your knowledge and intimacy with Jesus, you are dying to that thing every day. Let me give you an example my father, we man, we lived poor. We we were not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. I had three brothers, four boys in one bedroom. We had a two-bedroom house. My dad was a produce manager of the local grocery store. And we just did not have a lot of money. So we farmed, we did uh, you know, we did green beans and corn and potatoes, we ate, we lived off the land. And I, I remember when McDonald's first came to my town, we never went. It was too expensive for dad to take the whole family. So all my friends were going to McDonald's after church and we were going home. I didn't know then. What I know now, they're probably dying now. I'm still alive. (laughs) So here we are. God works in mysterious ways. And so here we are. And my dad sat us down and he said, hey, kids, I know that we don't have everything that we wish we had, but we have all we need. And I've been offered by my company to work on Sundays and I would make time and a half and we would have more money. And my dad was good like this. He'd always talk to us about any family decision. He says, but I've turned it down. And he, he told us why. What a smart dad in those days. when I mean, Men didn't talk like this. And dad said, I've turned it down because I don't trust myself. I'm afraid that if I sacrifice this family time in the house of the Lord, that I will sacrifice something the next go around. So I've decided that it is better to live with less So that we may have what is really valuable. Now, how long do you think that stood with me? How long do you think that stayed with me? See, you see what he's saying? When you're being formed and shaped on the inside, you willingly die to things, not necessarily because they're bad, but because you know in some way they will prevent and restrict the intimacy and love. And relationship you could enjoy with Christ otherwise. We live in a different world now. I realize some people have to work on Sunday. I get that. And I I realize that every day is a holy day. I get that too. But man, the principle that my dad taught is still there. The question to all of you is, what are you afraid to lose so much that you are giving up Jesus to get it? What are you afraid to lose so much that you would give up Jesus to get it? Don't rationalize. Just be honest and repent. If there's any pursuit in your life that stifles the pursuit of God, you are willing to give it up if you're being renovated on the inside. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but you live in a constant posture of self denial. Now, this is going to hurt, okay? Because I could just go on and I'd be safe, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give some examples quickly. Food. Food. The, body, the Bible says that your body is the temple of God. And I don't know if you realize this, but the types of things we put in our body now impacts our anxiety, our depression, impacts everything. And I've noticed in my life when I'm eating in an unhealthy fashion, that it actually impacts the way I'm thinking. It impacts the way I'm feeling. And in a real way, I get so anxious that I don't even want to take the time to pray. So I've acknowledged there are some things in my life I have to give up in order to think more clearly. In order that nothing would stifle my future progress with Christ. Now, please don't look at me and say, What would you know about food? Listen, let me tell you what I would, don't do that to me. It's not fair because let me tell you how I'd like to live my life. It'd start out at IHOP every morning with biscuits and gravy and eggs and bacon and give me about five pancakes. Then I'd come to the office and I'd have a a sweet tea. And then at 12 o'clock when I'm hungry again, I'd go down to Wendy's and get a triple cheeseburger with large fry, large Coke, and a large Frosty. And I'd top it all off that night with the biggest place of fried chicken I could get. I'd eat a whole bucket. Now that's how I'd like to live. But I don't. Because the body's the temple. Exercise can distract you from God. Because you're so addicted to it, you live in the gym. See, I got both people. You live in the gym. You're just possessed with your body. You don't have time for God because all you do is work out and look at mirrors. It could, be, it could be golf. It could be golf. Now, I told you it was going to hurt. Golf takes a long time to play. It does, especially in California. The courses are crowded. You're so addicted to golf that you just want to get church out of the way so you can get to your tee time. You have no time for God because you're possessed with it. It could be a luxury weekend getaway. You've bought a home in Big Bear or Newport Beach or somewhere. Nothing wrong with that. God bless. I got that until it just distracts you. It, it is what you look forward to every weekend. you got no time in your off time for God things. Friends. Sometimes you're going to lose good friends because you're not in the in crowd and do the in things. When renovation is occurring and progressing, self-denial is happening more and more in every season of your life. Now, let me give you an example. I'm going to move to the last two quickly, okay? Quick example. Uh, my buddy, Anthony McMahon, you've heard me mention him before. He's over here on the right-hand side. He's, he's an elder in our church, and he takes me to Dodger games, which means I put him on a very high pedestal <laughs> until he starts letting me down because I, I really was looking forward to watching the Dodger games with Anthony at his home. I knew we weren't going to get tickets, but I knew. I thought, man, this week I'll call Anthony and I'll work here till the last minute and then I'll go down to Covina and I'll watch the Dodger game. So I text him, we're going to watch the Dodger game. He says, I can't. I've got to help a couple with their finances. Dude, tell them you're sick. (laughs) Lie to them. Do whatever you have to do because I'm depending on you. My wife will not let me watch the Dodger game. She's going to be watching Doc Martin and I'm going to be watching something on my phone. I depend on you. But no, no. He can't do it. He's going to help somebody. (laughs) So I say, okay, I'll let this one go. I'll text him the next night. Got another game. Got three games in town, so I text him the next game. He's got another meeting with, I guess, Christian people. I don't know. I just know that I wanted to say to him, what is wrong? You're not a real Dodger fan. Lie to them, lie to them. Tell them you're sick. Tell them you don't feel well. Do whatever you have to do. But get the Dodger game on your television set. (laughs) Now here's the point. I talked to his wife Vivian later and she said, You know, I've noticed this growth in my husband's life. He's actually dying to some of his own self-pursuits in order to help and minister to others. Okay, that's how you know you're being renovated. When you'd give up a Dodger game to help (laughs) someone. Quickly, quickly. Five, upsizing is being replaced by downsizing in order to upsize again. This is how you know you're being renovated. My friend Mike Taylor in New Zealand, I noticed when I was there, he worked for Air New Zealand. I've said this before, but it, it's some examples stay with you. Mike Taylor was being promoted almost every year I was there. So I got there the second, I was there 10 years. My second year, he worked for Air New Zealand, and he kept getting promoted. So by the eighth or ninth year, he's, he's making three times what he was making when I first arrived. But I noticed something in his life. Still driving the same old car, still living in the same old house. And I went up to him one day and I said, Mike, I've noticed, aren't you making like three times what you were when I first? Yeah, I am. I said, well, don't you want to move and find another place to live? Don't you want to buy a new car? No, 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 no. He says, I made God a commitment a long time ago. Everything he gives me beyond what I need, I give away. That's renovation of the heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Look at at Psalm 122, 9. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Do you hear what he's saying? God, I want to be wealthy, but I want to be wealthy for the sake of your work and your house. Wow, that's awesome. That's when you know you're being renovated. Six, your desire for corporate worship is increasing. Psalm 122, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Again, your desire for corporate worship is increasing. Your desire for corporate worship is increasing. Psalm 118, 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord from the house of the Lord. We will bless you. Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Psalm 23:6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now why does he say that? I love, it. look, 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 look. When you're being renovated, this, this thing of worship and praise and magnifying and glorifying God becomes not only a priority in your life and a non negotiable, it becomes the best part of your week. You long for it, you want it, you seek it. It goes back to what I said before. The way you complete your joy is to express it. But if you're not joyful because you're not in love with Jesus, what desire will you have to express it? But if you're in love with Jesus, you've got to express it. You've got to talk about him, and you've got to magnify and praise him. It becomes the direct byproduct motivation of your heart. Let me go back and say what I said before. I will never coerce or manipulate you into doing anything. My job is to give you Jesus, and hopefully one day you'll fall in love with him when you realize how he first loved you. And then all of these things, man, downsizing, uh, sharing your faith, talking about Christ, uh, not being afraid of death, all of these things will just naturally be a byproduct. So you have to ask yourself, are these things present in my life? Are they? Are you beginning to see death differently? Is evangelism becoming easier? Are the idols of your life losing their power and appeal? Is self-denial becoming the posture of your life? Are you upsizing in order that you can downsize, in order that you upsize again? Your desire for corporate worship is increasing and finally, I got I to gotta finish this, finally, You possess in your life a holy discontent. When you're being renovated, there's something in your life that disturbs you so much that you cannot rest until you do something about it. It could be hungry children in our community. It could be poverty. It could be injustice. It could be the children in Nairobi, Kenya. It could be the children in Africa. It could be the pastors, preachers in India. I always love it when I preach a sermon about the need and I'll have a businessman come to me and say, Jeff, i got to solve this need. I have got, tell me how we can solve this need. That's how you know you're being reshaped and reformed. So, okay, where are you in all of this? Where are you? Where are you? Remember, the Bible says that some of the seed will fall on this kind of soil. It will be received with joy at first, but then the cares of the world will choke it out. Where are you? Where are you? And I'm asking you that if you're not where you know you ought to be, repent, man. And ask Jesus to help you fall in love with him. Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. Let me tell you what's in his name. When you say, Jesus, I want to love you. I just don't. Would you give me a revelation of yourself that would catalyze love in me? That is a prayer that he will always answer. Just sit tight because I don't know what he's going to do. And it'll be different with every life. Would you do that this weekend before you leave? Would you ask God to reveal himself to you so that you would fall in love? Because when all, when everybody falls in love with Jesus, man, sermons will totally change. All we'll do is talk about heaven and wait and get there. And what God's going to do with us now.
0: Huh? <laughs>
1: Come on, man. You need to fall in love. Father, thank you for your love for us. And because you first loved us, we love you. And you have expressed your love to us. I pray that this would be a moment of revelation when our eyes are open to the truth and the reality. That in you we have it all. We need not fear death. You are our treasure that we talk about. Because we have experienced you. I pray for any person in the room. That down deep inside they know they just don't love you. They know about you, they know even some scripture, but to love you with intimacy, to enjoy your presence, and to yearn to be with the people of God is just not there. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them in a special way, that they would see for the first time in their lives that you are jealous for us, because you know that our great joy, our greatest joy is found in you. It's my prayer in Jesus' name.
0: You've been listening to Today with Jeff Fiennes. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for "Today with Jeff Finds" wherever you listen to podcasts. You make me wanna dance and sing with every single breath I breathe. I will bring this offering. You are my wonder. You are the wonder. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Finds.